in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, devastating news for Joe Biden. So uh, change that subject real quick and uh, indict Trump. They were thinking about doing it Thursday. It looks like they're going to do it maybe uh, during this show. <laughs> they're going to indict Trump on the on the next phony baloney thing. Uh, this will be what four indictments. Forget about all that. Forget about all that. You know, just like Donald Trump said, an indictment from this Justice Department is a badge of honor. Absolutely. These corrupt idiots. These nasty fools, he should wear that as a badge of honor. It is a disgrace what they're doing. They know it. They know it. The The big giveaway is that whole thing with the, the classified documents. Oh, what a scam. What a scam they are running. Um, uh, they're fooling the American people. They, they mm, the, the American people get it because they kind of checked out. They're not really following it that closely. And look at what Donald Trump is doing in the polls. He's still on top crushing Ron DeSantis by 40 points. So I don't even know what this next one's about. January 6th, January 6th. If you know you are allowed to object to an election, yes, you are. You are allowed to tell people to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Um, it really is kind of um, divine, this whole thing, right? Only he, only he could withstand this kind of pressure. Only Donald Trump. Then again, only Donald Trump would have, uh, he's the only one who would have shocked the system so much. And uh, they can't stand that. His ultimate crime, remember this, the real thing that they will never, ever, ever forgive him for, beating Hillary. Beating Hillary in 2016. That was the ultimate affront, and they must destroy him as a result of that. Meanwhile, uh, the real scandal, Hunter Biden and this uh, these phone calls from Joe just checking in on the weather as you sit with an oligarch, uh, Nikolai Zlochevsky. I'm sure he wanted to know all about the weather. The best part about this. All right. So you know what's going on, right? Devin Archer, um, the, the longtime friend, business associate, Burisma board member of Hunter Biden was traveling the world with Hunter and at various dinners to impress clients. They would call uh, Joe Biden, who was vice president at the time. Look at who I got on the phone. And of course, Joe only had to talk pleasantries. The whole point was I got him on the phone. So I can get him to do stuff. I can get him to do whatever the hell I want. Now, hearing Democrats try to explain this away, the best, the most comical um, was Congressman Dan Goldman. Have you heard about this guy? He's actually a New Yorker. I think he represents Brooklyn. Um, He's a rich guy. He's a mega, mega, mega millionaire. He didn't earn it. He's a rich kid. He was born that way. Uh, I think his family started the Levi Strauss Dungaree Company, or they inherited it, or something like that. No, it goes. He so he has major, major league money. He bought himself a first. He bought himself a position on the impeachment board. It's funny. He wanted to get national exposure, so he gave a lot of money, and they made him the lawyer of one of the fake impeachments. And here he is trying to describe that this is nothing. Now again, Hunter is overseas. With Devin Archer. Devin Archer just told all of this to the House Oversight Committee. And <laughs> during dinners, lunches, um, uh, sessions, you know, having drinks with friends, associates, clients, Hunt, Joe Biden would make an appearance over speakerphone. Now, what would that be all about? Cut 27. Explain this to me, Dan Goldman. The witness, Mr. Archer, was very clear that Hunter spoke to his father every day. 
um, that, and he indicated that he approximated about 20 times over the course of his 10-year business relationship that he had with Mr. Biden, which would be with Hunter Biden, which would be about twice a year that uh, Hunter would put his father on speakerphone with. Um, uh, with whomever was at dinner, and he, there was no indication that he had any idea who was at dinner with them. It was just a say hello, I'm at dinner here, and there was nothing related to his business dealings. Hello, I'm at dinner here, uh, Dad, Vice President uh, Biden. Yeah, I'm, I'm. We're at dinner here. That's all. Wow. So you're the Vice President of the United States, Dad. Yeah, we're having dinner here. This guy believes it. He expects us to believe it. He really is such an elitist jerk. He thinks we're stupid. He thinks we're going to buy this explanation. His career, this guy, Dan Goldman, it's blowing up because the stuff he is saying is so totally absurd and everybody knows it. But he thinks we're so stupid and gullible that we're going to go along with this. Democrats, more than anybody, are furious with Dan Goldman. Looks good. Sharp in a suit. You know, good hair. Um, But... A uh, an elitist jerk who has no political sense whatsoever. Cut twenty eight. Contradict the president's statement saying that he never talked to any of Hunter Biden business associates. Clearly, he talked whether about the weather or whatever, but he said specifically that he's never talked to them. Doesn't this contradict him? I, I don't know what his comment is, and if we're gonna, well, I don't, I don't think that's what he said. He never said that he has never spoken to anyone. He said that he had nothing to do with Hunter Biden's business dealings. If he says hello to someone that he sees his son with, is he supposed to say, hi, son? No, I'm not going to say hello to the other people at the table or the other people on the phone. It's kind of a preposterous premise to think that a father should not say hello to people that the son are at dinner with. The son is at dinner with, and that is literally all the evidence is. What is preposterous is that you actually are expecting us to believe this explanation. <laughs> That's first of all, you say, "Well, I don't think he said, he never spoke to his son about business. He never did." No, that's exactly what Joe Biden said for years. I've never spoken to my son about his business dealings. Now he's checking in during dinner, and what is he supposed to do? Not say hello to everybody. Here he is checking in at dinner over a speakerphone. I guess he's got to say hello to everybody. Why is he checking in at dinner? It's so Hunter can show off. You see, this is the guy I can get access to. Therefore, you get access to him. Preposterous. Um, hello. Oh, uh, don't forget. Some of this stuff happened in person. Some of these things. He said hello to um, a Mr. Min in a Beijing hotel. When he was vice president, you know, when Hunter flew on Air Force Two, I mean, this is just all right. Joe Biden is stone cold corrupt. He absolutely is. He is a cheap, corrupt guy. Wow. And that stupid smile and that uh, is uh, his clothes and everything like that. I'm a sharp guy. He's the front man and the back business, the 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 boys in the, the boiler room. Give me another one of these. Uh, Dan Goldman trying to trying to. Um, Charm us. Uh, cut 29. Confirm. You're saying that the speakerphone conversations, they don't seem concerning to you because there is no specifics about business. And it just seemed like it was clear about- that it was clear that it was as part of the daily conversations that Hunter Biden had with his father. Um, and it was and, and sounded like most of the time uh, now President Biden didn't even know 
who the people he was at dinner. He was just asked to say hello. Uh, and he would, you know, talk about the, the way he described it several times. They asked over and over and over. He described what the weather was, how, uh, how, what's going on on your end. He, the, the witness was very, very consistent that none of those conversations ever had to do with any business dealings or transactions. They were purely what he called casual conversations. Casual conversations with the founder of a, Ukraine energy company. He just wanted to talk about the weather. He just wanted to. <laughs> Did you notice he said he was asked to say hello? They asked the vice president to say hello. Look, I talk to my dad uh, fairly frequently. Um, I never have a bunch of people sitting around a table and just shoot the breeze with him about the weather and whatnot on speakerphone. There's a, <laughs> a nefarious purpose to all of this. And, you know, there are rules and regulations about this stuff. There are also laws about this stuff. If we can find out that Joe Biden was uh, engineering American policy to accommodate these guys, and it looks like he did, you know, since when the hell did uh, America care about some local prosecutor in another country? When, when did we ever do that before? I do believe that one of the reasons why they say, well, it was the policy of the European Union. It was the policy of the interagency to get rid of Shokin. Well, who was in the best position in the world to change that policy or to make a policy or to give a policy on a local prosecutor in Ukraine? Joe Biden, you know what happens. The boss wants something. The boss gets something. The boss gets it. So um, what happens next? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> there could be an impeachment. I, th I think there's more than enough for an impeachment. Uh but the thing is, impeachment has kind of lost some of its impact because of all those frivolous impeachments under Donald Trump. You know what I mean? It, they just don't have the same the same punch anymore because they were diluted. They were diluted by uh, the phony ones. So I still think it needs to be done. It needs to be done. Hey, any moment now, uh, Rex Hoyerman will be in court. Does this mean we're going to see him? Are we going to see Rex? He's the alleged Gilgo Beach um, serial murderer, and they're going to bring him in. I guess this is another, what, hearing, a preliminary hearing. And um, is he going to plead guilty? Is he going to plead not guilty? He already entered a not guilty plea. I'm looking at pictures right now of his house, uh, and I really do. I feel terrible for his family, uh, for, the, for the wife. What's her name? Asa and the daughter, Victoria, and the son. Uh, I guess he's the stepson, Christopher. You know, these are innocent people. I know they're innocent. How do I know? I can tell. I can just tell. I mean, and they're totally blindsided by this. They have, you know, their whole world is just, I mean, can you imagine? You can't imagine. Nobody can imagine. I hope the cops uh, are able to, because they ripped up the place looking for all kinds of evidence. They never told us what they got. I know they got the guns, but I don't know what else they got. What do we have here? Victoria Hoyerman is crying herself to sleep. The son is crying himself to sleep. That really hit me. That really bothered me. Um, I can I can totally see that. I can feel that actually. Joe Biden might even call it empathy. You know. And what are they going to do? These are not rich people. They just can't leave that house. Who's going to buy it? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen to them? How old is she anyway? She's like fifty eight, fifty nine years old. Uh, the girl is twenty six. And the boy, boy, he's a man, he's 32, but it looks like he might be a little bit uh, special needs. 
And he's sitting on the front stoop crying. Hey, one thing they could do is go to the backyard. There's a bench in the backyard. I know from the drone video. Okay. There's plenty of places to sit down in the backyard. Stop sitting in the front of the house. We feel too, I, it, it's, it's breaking our hearts. I hear this, that the people in Massapequa Park, they made a beautiful little care package for the Hoyermans, the Hoyermans who are still there, you know, thinking of you in this difficult time. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful human touch, you know, in the, in the middle of this nightmare uh, that they would do something like that. And uh, I guess they weren't exactly, you know, running block parties before all this happened. Uh, they, they were kind of you know, aloof and kind of weird and off on their own. So what can you do? What time is he going to be in court? Do we know? Uh, I I hope we get to see him. I read today that he's comfortable in, in they made him comfortable. He's comfortable in, what does that mean? Why do they say comfortable? Like, is he enjoying it? Every now and then you hear about these people. They actually like it in there. They like the order. You know, they don't have to work, right? <laughs> they, uh, prison, prison life, I'm told, has its advantages, has its benefits. Can you imagine? There are some people who don't want to get out of jail. It happened. Who saw that movie? What the hell was it? A Shawshank Redemption. That guy gets out, and what does he do? He hangs himself about six weeks later. Brooks was his name. He hated, he, he couldn't stand the freedom. He didn't like having all those choices. He wanted to know what to do, when to do. You know, he needed to be told stuff. And there are some people out there like that. Hey, you know, um, I have my beef with Vox uh, sometimes, but Jonathan Turley is probably one of the best analysts out there. And there are so few, there are so few brave enough, willing, who are impartial enough to take a look at Joe Biden and just to, you know, give us, a non-emotional take on all of this stuff. Everybody else, they hate Trump so much that they they always see Joe through these rose-colored glasses. Do me a favor, Jonathan Turley, cut one, the law professor from George Washington University. He's great. Well, what we now know, quite frankly, is that the president has been lying. I mean, he lied during the presidential campaign. He lied as president when he had have his staff repeat that he had no knowledge, uh, no interaction with these business dealings. That's clearly false. I mean, the, the, these are accounts of almost two dozen calls made with these associates, some of whom are the most corrupt figures in Europe. Uh, where the vice president would call in. That's the point of influence peddling. When Archer says that he was there to sell the brand, the brand is influence peddling. And Joe Biden is the object of that influence peddling. And so you need to show that you will have access, that he's just a phone call away. Wow. Good for you. You know, it's funny. The American people, you could say, I know the lawyers will make a case, well, nothing here is against the law, but he did advertise himself as honest Joe, working class Joe. And now we see he's hooking up his sons with these lucrative deals. Let's pretend for a moment that all of this is legal. You know, a lie is a terrible way to say hello. And the very first time we heard from Joe Biden as a candidate in 2019, he lied. It was a great big fat lie. His entire campaign was based on the Charlottesville lie, you remember good people on both sides? Well, he wasn't talking about the neo-Nazis and the skinheads. He said out loud that they should be condemned totally. But they played with that tape and they pretended that Donald Trump said something he didn't. Joe Biden lied about it. And uh, it's all coming home to roost. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Mayor Adams still um, criminally stupid. 
uh, totally unqualified for this big job that he's got. And uh, we see it. I told you guys about this, uh, what was it, two years ago? Two years ago. I knew it. I knew it. I've known this guy for 30 years. Total airhead. Total airhead racist. And uh, and now we watch the city go down the drain, and uh, he's making excuses and blaming the media. Uh, you guys don't know Eric's story or something like that. Let's see here. What's his uh, bright idea here? Uh, remember, not a cop. Not a cop. That's totally fake. All right? Doesn't know a damn thing about law enforcement. You know. If you if, if you never even you know more about law enforcement than this guy, cut sixteen. A lot of work, a lot of effort went into this this document. You know, um, my life work went into this. Life work. I know the importance of this. My life's work. All right. Now, I remember the last time he put out a document. All right, a, a document to fight crime, and it was um, it was worthy of a sixth grader. It was like a homework assignment. Maybe, maybe a midterm. It was about 10 pages long about how they're going to combat gun violence. 10 pages. Remember, he said he was, he had a plan to fight gun violence, right? Said that all during the campaign, but he really didn't have anything. So, uh oh, I got to come up with a plan six months later because he was too busy going on vacation. Remember to Africa? Remember, he becomes the Democrat nominee. He's essentially, he knows he's got a lock on the mayor because of, uh, the crazy uh, system here and overwhelmingly Democrat. I said vote for Curtis, but look, he basically had a lock on the election and uh, he went to Africa on vacation. <laughs> uh, he went to Turkey on vacation. He went to Thailand on vacation. What does he do over there? Oh, by the way. Um, next, please. Cut 17. Ending gun violence requires more than enforcement, more than policing, far much more. It requires attention and investment. How much? $485 million investment. wonder where that money is going to go. You think it's going to be well spent? You think this administration is, is that good? They're going to. Wow. Contracts and graft. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We're making a historical step that I believe is going to cascade throughout the entire country. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I'm looking through your, uh, I'm looking through your little plan here. We, yeah, everybody can relate to this plan. Everybody, everybody. Have you ever written a report, you know, and, uh, you had to make, you had two pages of content and you had to make it five pages cause the pay, the teacher wanted five pages. All right. So you stretch it out, you give it a cover sheet, you know, you, you just, there are ways to do that. You play with the margins. This is 54, 51 pages long. All right. The first page is the title page. The second page is blank. And then it's <laughs> introducing a new way. And then there's a table of contents. And then there's a letter from the mayor. And then there's a letter from the co-chair. And then there's a picture of a fine looking man in a T-shirt. And then, of course, there are many pictures of uh, <laughs> of Adams with this person, with that person in this community, in that community. And then there's an overview of what they're going to do. And then they're going to talk about the agencies involved. And that takes up that takes up two pages. It's just they want to make it look like something. Then they got a bunch of graphs and charts listing the problem as it is now so far, although it looks to me like they uh, kind of massaged a lot of this stuff. Where we are now goes on for about 20 pages. And uh, let's see, where is the next step? Okay, what do we do about all this stuff? Aha, here we go. You ready? Neighborhood safety action plans. Neighborhood safety action plans. And the very first thing they say about the way forward, 
It's going to be $485 million, this stuff. A public health approach that activates every part of government as part of the public safety ecosystem to respond to the crisis and interrupt cycles of violence through prevention efforts. Oh, man, this is such a crock. All right, these these uh, violence interruption programs, they've been around for a long time. They're just, they, you know, I'm going to get some of this $485 million myself. I'm going to start a nonprofit called uh, Up With Feeling, Down With Violence. All right, upwithfeelingdownwithviolence.org. And that's going to be my phony shell organization because I want to get some of this money. Hey, it's my money anyway. It's your money too. $485 million. You ready for what the pillars of this program are according to the plan to eradicate gun violence? These pillars of the theory of change also need to have an intentional focus on youth and racial equity. Consider the populations and communities that are most impacted by gun violence. This is just pablum. This is just a bunch of crap. And it goes on like this. Let's see here. Okay, where's the money actually going to go? $418 million in funding for initiatives. (laughs) You see what I mean about just the more words? Funding for initiatives that focus on, (laughs) in funding for initiatives that focus on employment and job training, anti-gun violence programming. What is that? The Mayor's Action Plan for Neighborhood Safety. This is a boondoggle. This is like uh, Thrive NYC. Remember how much money they made off with? A billion dollars there. $845 million in funding for youth, health, and human services. After-school programs, beacon programs, cornerstone programs, and the subway safety plan. But God forbid you arrest somebody for jumping a turnstile, right? (laughs) That's, uh, That's subway safety. 700, are these numbers right? I thought the whole thing was 400. It says 758 million. That is three quarters of a billion dollars for education programs like community schools, expanding career technical education, guidance support, guidance counselors, mental health programs in schools. You know about guidance counselors, right? We all had guidance counselors, right? Everybody, everybody has a story about how they got bad advice from a guidance counselor, all right? I mean, it's just, let's see here. Um, it's just a, wait a second. What the hell is this? $23 million for the people's police Academy. What is the people's police Academy? Don't we have a police Academy? The P that sounds a little bit, that sounds a little, uh, edgy and weird. The Brooklyn recovery Corps. <laughs> Brooklyn recovery Corps. I'm telling you, man, I got to start a phony nonprofit. I want some of this money. I want some of this cash. What was what's the name of my foundation again? Uh, uh, upwards, uh, up with feeling, down with violence. dot org. Up with feeling, down with that's right up their alley. Don't worry, I'm not going to really take the money. I mean, it's tempting though. I just got I just got a tax bill from the city, and when you get that bill in the mail, it's like, damn, damn. What am I really paying for here? Uh, I'm paying for a bunch of junk, more pictures of kids. Uh, more empty words. Oh, they spend 13 pages talking to the city's youth. In May and June of 2023, the task force engaged approximately 800 young people through the youth town halls. Remember those youth, those town halls, you know? Did anybody mouth off to Eric, I wonder? Did he tell him to get back off the plantation? Remember that? Uh, below are the themes raised by the youths, age 11. How about don't get shot? 
We don't want to get shot. Isn't that kind of what this is all about? Let's see what they had to say. Um, they need and want more job training, readiness, placement programs in their schools, communities that are tailored to their interest. What is a community that is tailored to one's interest? It's a community. You're not going to be interested in the whole community. Maybe you like video games. Maybe your kids, for crying out loud, they spent a lot of time talking to the kids and make it all you know feel good. Goal strat. It's just a bunch of crap. It really is, and it's it's, it's unfortunate. What they're going to do is buy a bunch of sweatshirts, and one of those guys he goes to those restaurants with at night is going to get a lot of money. People are going to make money on this. This is a boondoggle. We can see it. Beacon programs. What's a beacon program? Improve educational opportunities and provide better support in schools by expanding beacon programs which integrate tailored programming into schools during non-school hours and on weekends throughout the year. Currently, Beacon programs operate in 11 schools within the priority precincts. Um, you can't get kids to hang around school uh, when there's no school. <laughs> that's, that's not, that's just, you know, we've tried all these things, okay? We tried midnight basketball, and now we're trying to open the schools on the weekends. Um, you know, one thing that could work, is what Barack Obama talked about all the way back in 2008 when he was trying to make us like him. Because he was saying stuff that, quite frankly, let's face it, um, it would have been difficult for white people to say. All right, that was kind of a thing. Wow, if he can speak like this because nobody else can and he's willing to do it, maybe he's worth a chance. Maybe, maybe we should. But it was all a, it was all a ruse. But it sounded good. Actually, it is good. The only problem is he didn't make good on it. He got scared and ran away. Cut 33. Teaching our daughters to never allow images on television to tell them what they're worth. Teaching our sons to treat women with respect and to realize responsibility does not end at conception. That what makes them a man is not the ability to have a child, but to raise one. That's a message we need to send. Damn. Here, here. And then uh, a few years, uh, actually, here he is, big speech, talking about a black kid with a book is acting white. A black kid reading a book is acting white? Not according to me. That's according to Barack Obama. Apparently, in uh, in the area where he was, in the, it, that was a big thing. You can't be seen with a book, otherwise they're going to say you're acting white, and that's not cool. Cut 30. Go into any inner-city neighborhood, and folks will tell you that government alone can't teach our kids to learn. They know that parents have to teach, that children can't achieve unless we raise their expectations and turn off the television sets and eradicate the slander that says a black youth with a book is acting white. They know those things. Wow, the crowd goes wild. Have we eradicated the slander that a black kid with a book is acting white? Have we eradicated that slander? Quite frankly, I didn't know it was a slander. It shows you, uh, number one, I guess I'm out of touch. Number two, that kid, a certain element of this, uh, the, the community he's talking to is out of touch. How could the hell can that be? A book? You're black? That's a bad thing? You're acting white? Now, if he was talking about that, let me tell you something. That still exists. If that's the case, if he talked about it in that national speech, it's still, it's still a problem because nobody has actually had that conversation, have we? 
We haven't had a national conversation. There's been no cultural realignment or anything like that. And if anything, you know, look, I don't care what the hell people look like, where you came from, what your race is, right? None of that stuff applies. <laughs> Some of my worst enemies in life have been white Irish Catholic men. <laughs> okay. I mean, I just, it does not matter. But to the media complex, to the elites, to uh, our culture at large, it's the only thing. And who has lost status? Who has lost status, right, over the past, uh, well, it's been happening for a long time. Look, at the bottom of the heap, and there should be no heap, but at the bottom of the heap is white women. And uh, so what's Obama's legacy? Because he never really talked about this stuff, you know? You want to hear what his legacy is? None of this stuff. Here it is. This is the uh, member of Congress, happens to be black. I think he's from Nevada, and he's on the Congressional Black Caucus. And this is what... Uh, this is what black leadership, leftist black leadership, with a big assist from leftist whites, sounds like. Cut 36. Black people literally feel attacked. There's a ban on black, uh, a ban on blackness happening. It's targeted. It's well-funded. Uh, it's organized and it's orchestrated. And what we are saying as the Congressional Black Caucus is that we're not going back. We're not going to be silenced. We're going to call out those who are uh, promoting this division in our country uh, from the Supreme Court to state legislatures. So he says there's a ban on blackness. I think he has not watched television lately. <laughs> He's, has he gone to the movies lately? Uh, there is no ban on blackness. You know, this is the Congressional Black Caucus speaking. And there was a time the Congressional Black Caucus led by an absolute hero and patriot named Charlie Rangel. He got up there, and you know what he did? He said, Richard Nixon, President Nixon, drugs are destroying my community. Please help. Please help. We need more police. We need more enforcement. Can you imagine that message coming from the, the Congressional Black Hawk? It did. It was. Before the world lost its mind. And this guy running around, uh, ban blackness. You know, Obama could have been a change agent. He really could have. But, you know, he's only out for himself. I went through it last night. I think, actually, I underestimated. He has a half dozen houses, not four. He's got a crib in Hawaii, another in Chicago, Washington, D.C., New York, Austin, Texas, Seattle, and one on some non-mentioned uh, island, non-disclosed island. Shawnee, Hello. Oh, my gosh. I love you. Love your show. Never dreamed I'd get on. Thank you for everything you do. I called because I was thinking maybe based on the old FUBA, F-U-B-A, that you should call your organization F-U-V-A, Feelings Up, Violence Away. <laughs> Feelings Up, Violence Away. FUBA. FUBA. Uh, I, I, and I, I love uh... when you talk about your kids. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, they're doing great. I bring them to uh, nursery school every day, summer school. They call it camp, but it's basically school. <laughs> and she's, and, and it's basically school. And she, uh, she cries when I leave. Stay for five more minutes. I'll have to take a tape. Uh, she's, uh, she's amazing. Uh, that's Annalise and the other one. So, uh, FUVA. The only thing is, it sounds a little bit, uh, I don't know. It sounds like a body part. FUVA. You know, I don't know. All right, Shawnee, thank you very much. Uh, what, um, f fun, violence down. Wait, what's it up? What's, what, how, what does it stand for again? 
Fun up, violence away. <laughs> fun up, violence away. Love it. Love it. Fun up, violence away dot org. A 501c3 so you can send me money and I can spend it on programs. <laughs> That's where that money is going to go. Thank you, Shawnee. Uh, let's try Pete. Yes, Pete. Hello. Um, I think we're wasting time and money talking about Biden's phone calls because everybody's saying he's lying. But he sure as heck didn't lie to us just before the election when he said he had the um, prosecutor fired and then he gave him a billion dollars. And the cupcake Republicans didn't do anything. This is this phone thing is like there's nothing there there compared to Biden and the prosecutor getting fired. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, it's all this is this is relevant, Pete. I know it has, you're not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. But this is relevant stuff. Uh, let's see. Uh, what's your beef again? I mean, <laughs> look, uh, I, I, I'm with you. Uh, I think the guy's corrupt and crummy. Um, but so you want him, you wanted him impeached and uh, removed from office yesterday, right? No, no, I didn't want him to run for president to begin with. Yeah, I know he shouldn't have. It's amazing that they found this guy. They, they found this guy so compromised. Why him? Maybe because he's compromised. Seriously, because he's compromised, they could get him to do exactly what they want. You know, Barack Obama's really running the show here. And he knew, he knew in 2014, 2015, how bad Joe was. That's one of the reasons why he didn't want Joe. Remember, Joe wanted to run for president. They said, don't do it. It's Hillary's turn. You can't do it, Joe. And because Barack suspected that he was up to uh, all this stuff. I mean, they knew about Ukraine. They knew about Hunter. They knew about Burisma. Publicly, they complained about it, too. I got to play that for you. Look, Pete, you're not wrong. Uh, Thank you. Cupcake Republicans. Some of them are kind of cupcake, cupcakey. Be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, I got it on very good authority that the White House is very, very, very concerned about tapes that are about to emerge of Joe Biden on one of those calls, on one of those 20 calls at least to um, to Hunter as he was whining and dining various oligarchs all over the world. Well, one of those oligarchs was uh, smart enough, clever enough uh, <laughs> to uh, press play and record, to record uh, Joe Biden on tape. Uh, they do that all the time in Russia and Ukraine. They do it. You can do it everywhere, really. Everybody is wearing a wire when you think about it with a cell phone. Um, but in Ukraine, culturally, it's just far more accepted and expected that, you know, you're going to be taped. And we have President Poroshenko actually taping Joe Biden. I'll play you that later. It's actually hard to find on the Internet, strangely enough. It, it, it's, it's there, and then it's gone. They're, all, they're looking for it because they know it's dynamite stuff. Um, now, what do we have here? here I, actually, I do have a voicemail that Joe left for Hunter. So there's a great big expose in the New York Times about uh, uh, Hunter's Chinese uh, shenanigans, right? 
and the New York Times writes this all up. And Joe calls Hunter, doesn't get him on the phone, but leaves a voicemail. And I think it's a little bit suspicious the way he talks. Go ahead. Hey, Palace Dad. It's 8.15 um, on uh, Wednesday night. If you get a chance, give me a call. Nothing urgent. Just want to talk to you. I thought the article, at least the thing on online, that's going to be printed tomorrow in the Times, was good. I think it's clear. And uh, anyway, um, if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you. I think you're clear. I think you are clear. I think, maybe not. Because I know more about what you've been doing, and you know what we've been doing. It's a suspicious message, don't you think? And Joe, I think, talks in a way that he realizes the uh, the call may be heard, discovered someday. He tries to he tries very hard to make it sound oh, nothing urgent. You know, everything's cool. I'm just uh, just checking in, just saying hi, pal, pal of mine. So the fake news. Um, Devin Archer comes forward. This is dynamite stuff. All right. It's ignored by NBC. CBS actually did a decent report on it. At the end of the show, ABC, which is the most watched news show in the world for some reason, that David Muir, I mean, that plastic man, just such a strange-looking guy. I mean, mean, look, he's a good-looking guy, but that's like you can tell he's staring at himself in the mirror the whole time. So they throw to a reporter for a little summary on what happens and listen to David Muir's question. Uh, Go ahead. Hunter Biden's former business partner was asked whether Hunter Biden had ever put his father, of course, the president, uh, on a speakerphone with clients. He was asked that, David, and according to lawmakers who were in the room, Devin Archer told them that Hunter Biden would often put his father on the phone during business meetings, apparently to impress clients and associates. Archer answered questions several hours behind closed doors and testifying, according to one lawmaker in the room, that Hunter Biden was, quote, selling the illusion of access to his powerful father and put him on speakerphone with different people some 20 times. During those calls, Democratic Congressman Dan Goldman said the two never spoke about business. Instead, he said Archer described the calls involving President Biden as casual niceties, like the weather. And the White House has long said, David, that President Biden and his son were never in business together. David. And to clarify, Aaron, the calls involved Joe Biden when he was not president. This was before the presidency? That's right. Well before the presidency, even after he was vice president out of office, David. Aaron Kaczorski tonight. Aaron, thank you. What about the, the, that's not true. That's not true. The call was when he was vice president. It's a big deal. The key call. Why You see them outright spinning? Spinning for the... This is after he was vice president, before he was president, so it was... Before. No, it's not true. It was in... Uh, this is before Shokin got fired. This is 2015, 2016. He's the vice president of the United States. Meddling and screwing and making money off of Burisma, splitting it up. Wow, wow. Fake news strikes again. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, are we back? We're back. Hey, I got some uh, sad news. Um, 
The lieutenant governor of New Jersey has died. Uh, her name is Sheila Oliver, 71 years old, taken to the hospital uh, yesterday. She had been serving as governor, actually. She was the acting governor uh, while Phil Murphy was out of state. Where, what was he doing? Fighting white supremacy somewhere? What was he doing? Oh, he's in Italy. Anyway, I'm sorry to hear about that. Uh, 71 years old, Sheila Oliver. I, Quite frankly, this is the first I've heard of Sheila Oliver. Uh, she's been, that doesn't mean anything. I don't know. I mean, the lieutenant governors, they generally don't get much uh, profile. I mean, it doesn't mean anything that I didn't know. I'm not trying to minimize her life or anything like that. I just, I, I'm being honest. I have not, I'm not, I'm not familiar with her. Hey, is anybody familiar with the, uh, lieutenant governor of New York? Right. Um, so Sheila Oliver, New Jersey's lieutenant governor, first black woman to hold statewide elected office there died on uh, today after being suddenly rushed to the hospital. Uh, East Orange, uh, elected in uh, 2017 as Phil Murphy's running mate after serving 15. All right, very sorry to hear about that, but uh, it, it, it news on both fronts. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the other thing in New Jersey that's kind of, uh, hmm, hmm. Uh, Bob Menendez might be in trouble again. The uh, senator there, what is up with this guy? He's always, he's always under some probe, and now there's another one. Now, Bob Menendez is, uh, has a new wife, relatively new. Let's see here. Taking gifts? Is this the, is it? In early 2019, the New York Times reports, Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey and his new girlfriend, Nadine Arslanian, were riding high. He had avoided a federal bribery conviction after his trial ended with a hung jury, and the couple had begun traveling the world. Mr. Menendez proposed to Ms. Arslanian that October in India with a grand gesture singing Never Enough from the Greatest Showman outside the Taj Mahal. Oh, brother. I am so glad I've, got, I've done all the travel I've, I want to do. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to get on a plane ever again. Um, every now and then I have to go to Florida. That's it. I don't want to see the world. I've already been to India. I did these things, and I don't need to do them again. Why is he going to these places? They married a year later at a small ceremony in Queens. and were, Because the problem when you're a, uh, a big-shot senator, you don't make that much money. But you think you're entitled to a lot more money. And then you're tempted to take these gifts. Uh, and people, I guess they got married, and uh, people were throwing all kinds of stuff at them. The senator moved into his wife's modest split-level house in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. And they have since attended two state dinner parties at the White House. This is not a problem. All right, where's the good stuff? The whirlwind romance has taken a sudden dark turn, the New York Times reports. Mr. Menendez, the 69-year-old Democratic chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, is under investigation by the Justice Department for the second time in less than a decade. And and this time his wife is also in prosecutor's crosshairs. You know what they might be doing here? Going after a Democrat to make it look like they're bipartisan. You know, it's very possible that they're just harassing this guy. Uh, Very possible. So... Uh, the new inquiry led by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan appears to be focused, at least in part, on the possibility that either the senator or his wife received undisclosed gifts from a company run by a friend of Miss Menendez and that those gifts might have been given in exchange for political favors. Hey, if you're going to investigate this, you got to give the electric chair at this point to a certain government officials. I mean, this does not sound this does not sound unlike her husband who took. All right. And then it's just about her life. May have. What's the stuff? Where is the stuff? Where is the gifts? Uh, he spent roughly 200. It talks about all the money he's uh, spent in uh, 
a halal monopoly. Okay, the full scope of the federal inquiry, including Ms. Menendez's role, remains unknown, but the investigation appears to focus at least in part on the couple's connection to a 40-year-old New Jersey businessman, Wael Hanna, who has known Ms. Menendez before she started dating the senator. I think that this they rushed this story. He became the sole entity authorized to certify that any halal food product imported into Egypt from anywhere in the world has been prepared according to Islamic law. God, there's a guy with that job. Uh, all right, I'm going to leave it there. Hey, I hear that they're working on something really big about Eric Adams and straw donors. I've already seen something on that. New York Times is about to drop another another big story. Uh, the other big story right now is the coup in Niger. In Africa, Niger, they sometimes say, Niger, Niger. Did you know about Niger and its coup? Nobody did. But uh, NBC Nightly News did three minutes on it for some reason last night. Why? Because they didn't want to talk about (laughs) Devin Archer and all the stuff he was saying about. If I gave anybody a map of Africa without the countries on it, could you name Niger? Could you? Could anybody? Seriously. Unless you're from there, you have family there, nobody knows where Niger is. And, well, they're having a coup. Isn't that important? They had a coup in 2011. They had another coup in 2005. They had another coup in 1995. That's what they do over there. I'm sorry. There are a lot of coups. I don't know why that is, but they do. And they killed time on fake news last night focusing on Niger. They never cover Africa. They never cover the world. They never. Oh, only Ukraine. But they did. They went all in on the coup in Niger. Why? to protect uh, Joe and the whole stuff with the, the Devin Archer. And it's, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? It's just uh, the, in meantime, Joe Biden, I'm sorry, forget Joe. It looks like, wait a second. Fulton County DA says she's not coordinating with the special counsel, Jack Smith. Now she's on the verge of indicting Trump. Isn't it amazing? These alleged offenses happened going all the way back to 1995. E. Jean Carroll and that bogus uh, meetup at the, uh, at the uh, Bergdorf Goodman what else? January 6th, that was uh, two and a half years ago now. Um, uh, the girl and the hush money payments, what was her name again? Uh, the porn star, uh, Daisy Maxwell, what's her name again? The, the porn star. Stormy Daniels, Stormy Daniels. Stephanie Clifford, that was in 2016. Um, and the documents, that was going to 2022. And all of these cases... Now hitting the docket, as they say, the judicial docket within like six weeks of each other. Hmm. How can that be? How can that be? It's election interference, plain and simple. It is election interference. It's anti-democracy. Hey, did you know that uh, Curtis was on Hannity? Every time Curtis or one of our guys gets on one of those big shows, we like to call attention to it. What did Curtis have to say on Hannity last night? Cut 24. So you have homeless vets, you have homeless people in New York City long before they invited in all these illegal immigrants. And uh, did they ever get a free hotel at the Roosevelt Hotel? Did they ever get the, the type of accommodations that the mayor's given these illegal immigrants? Because I don't recall that kind of support. Do you? No, Sean. In fact, what they got was a seat to sleep on in the subway morning, noon and night. A little piece of a park somewhere that they had to share with the rats or laid out in the street, prostate, incapable of controlling their mental and physical faculties. Sean, we must take care of our Americans first and foremost. We didn't ask for these people. 
We don't know where they're coming from. We don't know who's paying for them to come here. And then once they reach the border, our nonprofit agencies, Catholic charities and others, ask them what city they want to go to. They need to go back to where they came from because they serve no purpose here. They have no negotiable skills. It's not yeah. going to help America. It's going to cost us money and destroy our cities. And by the way, the numbers in New York are nothing compared to border states like Texas. Nothing. Uh, anyway, great report. Curtis Sleeve. Curtis. <laughs> he wants the... Anyway, Curtis is the best. Uh, I guess I had to go to a commercial break. He was on a roll there. Hey, you just you just told me something. Our system is down. What does that mean? <laughs> you can't play cut. We were right in the middle of a cut. All right, we can't play any more cuts. That's fine. I can uh, no more. Cuts. Our system is down. That sounded like you know something really serious, like the the antenna or the cable or however the hell we get the uh, the radio signal out of this place. Um, all right. Uh, with that, with that, I am going to talk to Connie for a moment because she's been on hold for a long time. Hello, Connie. Hi, uh, Greg. I enjoy your um, your um, station and you, and uh, I I bought your book. Oh, well, gee whiz. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I uh, love it when you start talking about Obama and his speeches because uh, he's been saying for a long time how he hates whites, and yet his grandmother brought him up. He didn't even have a mother. Um, so well, he um, had a mother. He had a mother, but she was—I uh, mean, she was a bit uh, wild. You know, she was traveling the world. She was doing all kinds of funky things. He had a mother, yeah. though. He had a mother, and she happened to be white. Look, I don't know if you can say he hate. I've never heard him say he hates whites. I haven't heard. Well, him he say- didn't. He didn't say he hates whites, but he hated uh, America's attitude uh, about being free and our voting rights. He hated that we we could like vote him out. He couldn't understand that at all. Well, there uh, is this thing. He goes to Sweden uh, early in his presidency, and he, you know, he's being criticized for the first time in his life, and. He goes to Sweden and he thinks, oh, wow, this is be- this is much a much better system and uh, socialized medicine. And oh, boy, they're so civilized over here. They almost thought about staying. I'm serious. When he went over there, where do you go for the Nobel Peace Prize? Is it Sweden or Norway or one of those uh, one of those Scandinavian places? Yeah, and I- he was really liked it over there better than America. He's just not that into us. He's just not that into America. That's uh, one of his many no. issues. And, and he is still he is still out there with Eric Holderman. He was he's his henchman and he's doing all his bidding uh, for um, uh, Biden here. They're still they're still running the uh, program here. That's why we're having such a hard time, because Obama people are still in the White House. And um, I don't know what happened to Susan Rice. She left uh, um, just before all this crap happened uh, about um, um uh, his son uh, and coming in uh, the White House. And- You're right. She was mysterious when she was at the White House. She's even more yes. mysterious now. She is now, one of the most yes. powerful people uh, on the planet. Uh, it doesn't matter if she's in the White House or outside the White House. She and Barack Obama are clearly calling the shots. I mean, exactly. I we know that. We and- know that. We know that. That's why these things are still relevant. Hey, what do you think about what the hell happened at uh, Martha's Vineyard and that chef? I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, although a lot of the conspiracy theorists have been right about a lot of things. But that makes two chefs who have uh, 
one for Clinton, one for Obama, who died in little ponds of water. The other yes. thing is, well, anyway, who made the 911 call about this guy? I hear a lot of, uh, you know, th- th- that apparently is blank and they're not releasing that. And uh, were the Obamas there? I think they were. It's just weird. It's very weird. A, a chef a died. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. a different world. Anyway, Connie, thank you for, uh, uh, you know, supporting all the content. Appreciate it very much. Hey, Connie, is Connie uh, short for Constance or what is it short? What is Constance? Yes, Constance. Uh, My mother, um, she named me after Constance Bennett, the actress. Uh, who the hell? I'm sorry. I got to stop with yeah, the hell. Got, yeah, who was that? A long time ago. Who, was she I'm in? 85, so it was a long time ago. Well, you sound great. Keep it up, Connie. Thank you so much, and we'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, any moment now, we'll see Rex Hoyerman, the uh, alleged Gilgo guy, serial killer, uh, in court, expected there in court in Riverhead any moment now. Quite frankly, this should have been happening um, 12 years ago. Uh, they had enough evidence to get him uh, a long, 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 long time ago. Actually, 2012. 2012 is when the FBI pinpointed that the calls are coming from Massapequa Park and also uh, Midtown Manhattan. Uh, they already had a description of the guy, 6'4", 6'5", massive, an ogre-like guy, and driving a uh, Chevy Avalanche. You put those things together, and I keep hearing, well, it wasn't in the database. It wasn't in the computer. Um, well, you don't need a computer to find Massapequa Park, and you don't need a computer to walk the streets of Massapequa Park. I know it's a small town, but it's not, you know, 7,000 houses. There are 7,000 structures in Massapequa Park. How many guys would it have taken to look at every single house? I mean, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I think a couple of, I quite frankly, I think I could do it. I think me and a couple of guys could do it in about a week or so. You know, just look at every single house and document every car. Or... Go to the Long Island Railroad and just look for the Chevy Avalanche, right? Because we knew the guy was commuting. I knew that from a documentary I saw in 2015 that the guy was a commuter. And they had that uh, the FBI provided information that the cell towers, the calls from the burner phone coming from uh, Massapequa Park. So this should have been happening a long time ago. Thank God that the two guys got in there when they did. Um, Ray Tierney, the district attorney, and Rodney Harrison, the police commissioner of Suffolk County. They got in there uh, January of last year and they were able to put it together in a couple of weeks. So <laughs> a couple of weeks, they had the name Rex Hoyerman and, um, and they were following him and looking for information and uh, collecting DNA, you know, the pizza box, everybody went bananas about the pizza box, like the pizza box solved the case. Like, Oh, if he only hadn't eaten that pizza, no, they already knew who he was. They were probably could have been a pizza, could have been a carton of milk. It could have been anything. Didn't matter. Just they they got excited about the pizza. Could have been a glass of water that they could have gotten his DNA from. Uh, still, I told you about the family. They're going through. Uh, they're going through a lot right now. That's that's very tough. I'm very excited about my um, how, how fun up violence away foundation. I actually like that name that uh, that great lady provided me with. Fun up violence away dot org. It's going to be my uh, general awareness nonprofit, and I can definitely get a piece of the action of this $485 million that Eric Adams is splitting up to fight violence. <laughs> violence away. That's totally in line with my my group. So here are some of the suggestions in his new plan to combat violence. You ready for this? So they polled a bunch of people. A huge chunk of this is polling people and getting their comments, and this is what they're going to act on. 
We need community centers to be open for all, and they need to be safe havens. That's from a more senior resident. Community centers need to be open for all. Are they closed? Are they closed for anybody? Community centers? Have you ever been in one of those things? They're not all that great. Sometimes, you know, they got Scrabble games. It's just, it's not. Let's see, what else? We got a, an East New York resident says, better food access and farmer's markets, education for using nature for healing. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is in a city report on reducing gun violence. Better food access and farmer's markets, education for using nature for healing. Let's see, what else? Vacant lots could be used for more parks, supermarkets, urgent cares, or laundromats. It's kind of laundromats, urgent cares, supermarkets, parks, or laundromats. Look at how Eric is so proud of this thing. He's so proud of uh, of his little project here. Uh, cuts cut sixteen. A lot of work, a lot of effort went into this this document. You know, um, my life work went into this. I know the importance of this. I, I, I can see that. After all, a new community justice center is proposed, and they will be funding a community stakeholder process to tailor the programming. Based on similar centers in other boroughs, the community justice center model is rooted in evidence-based practices, emphasizing community engagement and collaboration by offering alternatives to traditional court processes. Community justice centers aims to address underlying causes of criminal behavior. Oh, my God. Just lock them up. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, when's the last time you went to one of these museums? You know, we have the best museums in the world. But if you live here, you probably uh, never go. It's pretty much a tourist thing. I mean, you've been once. You've been at least once, maybe twice, but you haven't been in a long time. You know how much it costs to go to the Guggenheim Museum? 30 bucks, $30. And I don't think it's one of those recommended things. You know, at the Met, it, the Metropolitan Museum... I do remember going there to see King Tut. Anybody remember King Tut? That's why I went there. That was actually cool. You know, gold, uh, all that gold and the mask and the headdress for the boy king. He was nine years old and he got all that stuff. Uh, Tut King Tut. That was amazing. The whole city was King Tut crazy. Now the whole city doesn't go crazy about anything. You know, everyone's going in their own direction. Uh, hey, uh, before America's mayor, he's uh, he's getting set up. Sandra, you've been waiting patiently. Hello. Hi, Greg. I was thinking about those two chefs. You know, they're always like in the background cooking, and they hear everything. So I wonder if maybe they heard too much. That was just a cynical thought that I have. But uh, I wanted to talk about the NYPD and the stunning decline in the applicants. Mm. They, you know, they were having like 3,000 a while ago. Now it's down to 1,300. Right. Who wants to be a cop? I know. Now, you know, I just want to say that Governor J.B. Pritzker, he signed the bill into law, and this is in Illinois. It's Bill 3751, will no longer require U.S. citizenship to become a police officer in that state. So, they can take illegal immigrants and they can become police. And I'm hoping, and I, I hope that Adams and Hochul don't copy this, but I wanted to ask you how you feel. I know you don't want to be mayor. I know you say you, you have mixed feelings, but if you were the mayor, how would you handle this 
decline in applicants for the police department. I, I bet if you became mayor, everyone would want to be a police again. That's well, my gut. You got to revolutionize but. everything. You have to uh, number one. You have to back the. You got to get rid of. The, you got to make sure that there's qualified immunity. There's a million things you can do. Right. That's actually an interesting question. Right off the Mr. Mayor just sat down. Mr. Mayor Giuliani. I got it. We got to talk oh. about the indictment and all this stuff. But look, do me a favor. If I become mayor day one, um, you know, the New York City Police Department. Look, I would know by day one. But would, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit taken aback. You're though. a little di- you're, you're a little different than even other candidates. You, you, they just know from first of all, your history as a reporter supporting them. So that's the most important thing. Yes, your, da- your dad will tell you the most important thing. It's not, not one policy. It's they can even disagree with you on a policy or two. Uh, is he with me? Will the commissioner back me? Will the mayor back me? Is he or is he going to play politician? Something goes wrong before we even know the facts. We hang out the cop to dry. If you're one of those guys that backs the cops appropriately, even if you have to put a few in jail, and they're going to love you. And then you, you hit the right one right on target, which is qualif- immunity. Right. Everybody else has it. The mayor has it. <laughs> Why shouldn't the cops have it? Right, right. Every every public servant has qualified immunity, which means you just can't sue them willy nilly. You got to have a real strong case. I would also surge right away. Um, and one of the people we'd go after, one of the groups we'd go after, are those maniacs who ride the bikes, the motorbikes. You know, they take over the streets. We have a whole campaign to arrest those guys yep we 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 have a like a big pen set up in the parks because you probably can't process them there would be so many but we'll find a way to process so anyway sandra thank you very much mr mayor is president trump going to be indicted today it's getting late i mean i i still unfortunately have to come down on on the side that i think smith is going to indict him uh he shouldn't he shouldn't for a whole host of reasons. First of all, he doesn't have a case. I mean, the, the, every one of these cases is like an adventure in how to create a crime, <laughs> meaning how to create one theoretically, not how to create one for real. Mm. It's like how to take a bunch of facts and try to contort the statutes so you can come up with a crime. I think Professor Charlie said that a few few days ago. Let me ask you, is there any chance, and by the way, you know, I know you're innocent, but are you going to be indicted? I could. I mean, uh, I don't think so. I, I, I can't imagine what I'd be indicted for. But, uh, yeah, I could. Uh, Professor Eastman could. Uh, Jenna Ellis could. Uh, all his lawyers. For giving him legal, for giving him legal advice, I mean, and I'm sorry, it's 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 legal. I think that's your phone, Mr. Mayor. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's in demand. Uh Oh, no, is it anybody important? No, we can, we can take right. Um, you know, it's it's legal in America under the Electoral Count Act of 1887 to yes, object to the election, and and there that's what we followed right, and there are any number of articles about it, including uh, a current Georgetown Law Review article in 2017. That uh, talks about uh, its legality and the unconstitutionality of a lot of the things they, they they were doing. You've been in a lot of hearings now from the D.C., the disciplinary year. Is there anyone, do you remember a moment where you start talking about the Constitution and the law and then you see it in their eyes like, oh, my God, he's right. Yeah. Don't- Raskin, Raskin uh, was questioning me and I wish he could get it, but they don't put out that part of it. He said to me, uh, you didn't follow uh, the Supreme Court. uh Supreme Court decided and the courts in Pennsylvania decided that the election was was fair and the election was not. And you didn't follow the decision of the court. I said, uh, uh, yeah, and that's 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 that's, that's like treason. It's like treason. I said, uh, Mr. Raskin, 
When the court reverses Roe against Wade, you're not going to follow it, are you? You're not going to agree with it. You're going to condemn it, right? Of course they will. I said, well, tell me what the difference is. You have the right to object to court decisions, but I don't. What, are you a special citizen and I'm not? And he walked out. Wow. But, I mean, that's what they're saying. I mean, they, 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 they beat up on every conservative decision. It's, it's uh, dishonest. It's wrong. Uh, they even uh, – a bunch of professors wrote an article to Biden saying he can, he can do his own constitutional inter- interpretation about a week ago. If he doesn't agree with the court, he can do his own constitutional interpretation. That, that got rejected in 1801. Hmm. And if we did that, that would be a QAnon conspiracy hmm. to overthrow the government. Uh, their uh, hypocrisy you did a great job on Goldman yesterday yeah. but a lot of people I, got, I, I noticed a lot of people did you did the best but even on Fox they went after him and I went after him everybody just focused in on him I think he's become the new hypocrite in, in chief and, and uh, 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 today the Post had a number of articles about how he was sweating and he looked nervous you picked up on how he looked he looked like he was lying. So <laughs> Goldman was the guy. Goldman was the Democrat. He's a ri- he's a pretty boy, rich kid who is now a member of Congress, and he's just always in a rush to get attention. But his his brain was several yards behind him by the time he got <laughs> yeah. to the microphone. And the way he, uh, you want to hear him for a second? We yeah, got, oh, yeah, we, I'd love to. Let's, uh, let's uh, show you how he's a lousy lawyer too. All right, let's go to do me a favor, Goldman. Where the hell is that? I had it earlier. Where's my, oh, here we go. Cut 27, please. The witness, Mr. Archer, was very clear that Hunter spoke to his father every day. Um, that, and he indicated that he approximated about 20 times over the course of his 10-year business relationship that he had with Mr. Biden, which would be, with Hunter Biden, which would be about twice a year that uh, Hunter would put his father on speakerphone with um, uh, with whomever was at dinner, and he, there was no indication that he had any idea who was at dinner with them. It was just a say hello, I'm at dinner here, and there was nothing related to his business dealings. Nothing related to hello, I'm at dinner here. I have a dinner. I, I have dinner. I have a. I have a dinner with me. A, a member of Ukrainian organized crime, suspected <laughs> of killing his partner. Suspected of stealing $40 million, who's exiled from the Ukraine. This is Lochevsky, This is right? Lochevsky. I don't tell him. Or his number two guy, Poharsky. <laughs> I also set up a meeting with that guy for my dad. And my dad has a meeting with him. And the guy texts me, I had a great meeting with your father. Then he's got Buterina, Mrs. Buterina, who is the richest crooked woman in Moscow, friend of Putin's, probably double-crossed her husband and got him out of office to satisfy Putin which is how she became the richest woman in Russia. And for some reason, that hasn't really been explicitly figured out yet. She, she just gave him $3.5 million. Oh, and by the way, she's the only person close to Putin who's not on the, on, on the list, uh, which obviously uh, for $3.5 million, you, you stay off the uh, sanctions list. What the hell happened to this country, this Goldman guy? I mean, he actually went to Harvard Law School. Yeah, he did. Now, I'm going to tell you why he's stupid. Uh, he said he used the word spoke. He never he said Biden never spoke about this. Biden never claimed he spoke about it. He never claimed he spoke about it. Now, I always taught uh, my assistants. He was an assistant, not under me. You got to you got to listen as a, a great cross examiner for key words. You got to get the words right. Like use a different word. So then I went and got about 10 recordings of Biden where he said, 
I never spoke to my son. I never spoke to my son. I never spoke to any of them. I never spoke to foreigners. I never spoke. 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 And I said, this will convict the hell out of him because this is what you call a false exculpatory statement. And a false exculpatory statement, I went out and got the charge a judge gives a jury, is stronger than a confession and can be singularly evidence of guilt. The false exculpatory statement being Joe Biden's statements? Yeah, that he never met with any of the people who were providing the money to Hunter, and he lied about it, that he never talked to them, never knew about them, and he carried that on for 10 years. Now, why would you do that? Because you want to hide your criminality. Here's another one. From, That's the, uh, he can make a different argument. You can make that argument. Here's Danny Boy Goldman one more time. Cut 28. President's statement saying that he never talked to any of Hunter Biden business associates. Clearly, he talked, whether about the weather or whatever, but he said specifically that he's never talked to them. Doesn't this contradict him? I don't know what his comment is, and if we're going to, well, I don't, I don't think that's what he said. He never said that he has never spoken to anyone. <laughs> he said that he had nothing to do with Hunter Biden's business dealings. If he says hello to someone that he sees his son with, well, is he supposed to say, hi, son? Oh, no, I'm not going to say hello to the other people at the table or the other people on the phone. It's kind of a preposterous premise to think that a father should not say hello to people that the son are at dinner with. The son is at dinner with. And that is literally all the evidence is. Well, first of all, he spoke. He, he himself said 10 times, I never spoke to any of these people. Second, these aren't just people. For example, uh, Dad, I'd like you to meet the spy chief of China. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> this is Mr. Patrick Ho, who uh, is the chief of staff for the spy chief of China. Would you like to meet him, too? Or uh, Mr. Lee, who's very, very uh, high up in the Communist Party of Hong Kong. Are we whistling past the graveyard a little bit? I mean, because Trump is on fire. He's 40 points ahead. The money's coming in, although a lot is going out on lawyers. I know that. But he's cruising to the nomination. But this stuff is happening. He's getting indicted for the third time. Another federal indictment. I mean, I, uh, I, I'm worried. I'm worried that. What is the legal way? What does he? How does he beat this? I mean, because he has to run. He has to run next year, and they want to try him in May. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah, I know. It's very. It's. I have the same. Sometimes I'm very. Sometimes I'm very optimistic because I see all the things that are happening, and I'm seeing the stupidity of their indicting him. I mean, they kind of. Uh, we were talking about DeSantis. Is it DeSantis's uh, failures? Or is it what the Democrats that have done that have put Trump in such commanding lead? It's a little both, actually. And I don't think DeSantis could have beaten him anyway, but he made a race of it, maybe. But now they've gone so far, they not watching. They say, well, we want to nominate him, but we can beat him. But now he's beating Biden. You got to look at yeah. the, you got to look at those polls, too, idiots. I mean, you're, you're going so far with this. You're convincing people that might never think of voting for Trump. But we got to vote for him to save the country. Mm. You can't let this happen. But could that tie him up so much that he couldn't run? Yeah, there's a possibility of that unless he can get this before an appellate court that just throws the whole damn thing out. There's a possibility that a court would throw the whole damn thing out. It's so rotten. And the thing that I think that's helping him is not just that he's being indicted. It's the juxtaposition of him being indicted for stuff we can't even figure out why it's a crime 
And then Biden being accused of things to be, have been t- uh, crimes from the beginning of time. Right, right. right bribery. Yeah. <laughs> selling and, and huge amounts of money that we never heard of before. There's, uh, there's no American political figure that ever got this type of bribe, this money, this kind of money. 30 million from, Ch- from China. Then it turns out to be it has a whole treasonous aspect to it, too. Mm-hmm. These are our enemies. We're giving Ukraine unbelievable amounts of money. Six billion is missing. Six billion is missing. Of the money we've given. Yeah. Biden constantly refuses to have a auditor. He does? Yeah. And Zelensky's got him by the short, short hairs, right? I mean, Zelensky owns him. The whole country knows what he's done over Well, Zelensky there. has the whole file. Yeah. I've seen part of the file. Zelensky has the whole file. One other thing. We have it confirmed from uh, uh, Archer yesterday. He said Burisma wanted Shokin gone. All right. They wanted the federal prosecutor gone. Here's my thing about that, though. Biden can, I believe, rightly say that the European Union also wanted him gone. Wrong. Is that not really not true. created by Soros? Soros created that. Uh, and there's a conversation. I think it's February 18th, 2016. I think I'm going to go back and check. Uh, Ted and I were looking for it before because we want to play it. There's a conversation between Poroshenko and Biden in the four conversations he has in February with him, which are very, very incriminating. And in that conversation, only a piece of which is, uh, you can pick up, Poroshenko tells him that he basically had to make up the, the – the, the, No, I know that, but that does not mean that the European Union did not come out with the position that they wanted the guy gone. It was orchestrated. It was orchestrated to have him do that. And by the way, so it's orchestrated. And Joe Biden, everybody, he's the guy who could perfectly orchestrate it. I mean, he's one of the guys who runs the world. He's the okay. vice president. How he about, can make how, a phone call. How about we add to the fact, well, maybe he got – why would why would Poroshenko check with Biden on the person that he appointed and get his approval? He did that? Yes. He wanted approval on the next <laughs> March, guy. March, March of 2016, and, he got approval on Usenko. Poroshenko is recording the conversation, by the way. Yeah. And Poroshenko, you know, I see him on TV every now and then. I don't think he's been asked in an interview, like, hey, why did you... Why don't, they, why don't you just have a simple question? How much did you get, you crook? Is he a crook? Big time. That's why he lost uh, 70-30 to, to, uh, to Zelensky. Well-known crook. There isn't a person in Ukraine on either side that wouldn't dispute that Poroshenko was a pig. Is Zelensky a crook? Uh, he certainly doesn't do anything about it. I, I can't say he's a crook. Right. I can say he was sponsored by eh, the second most crooked guy in Ukraine, Kolomoisky, who did all the money laundering for them and was exiled until until Zelensky got elected and Zelensky bought him back. Hey. Plus, Zelensky is covering up vast crimes, including at least a $50, $50 million in bribes to his predecessor. But he looks good in that green T-shirt. Oh, so much hype about this guy. Uh, we'll be right back with the mayor. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
Hey, uh, we're back. Uh, by the way, the serial killer just appeared in court, in uh, local court, and uh, the DA is speaking. I don't know about a plea. You ever prosecute a uh, serial killer? No, never did. We had one uh, when I was mayor that we caught because of the broken windows theory. He did two. He did a third, and it, and, he, and and it, it didn't didn't work. The woman fought him off, and he left his fingerprints. Mm. Only reason we had his fingerprints is we had arrested him as a fair beater four, four weeks earlier, and he had no record. Back when we arrested fair beaters, yeah, that doesn't happen and then, anymore. And that was became a big big thing about why the, the the broken windows theory is so effective. Hey, I've heard you speak about this before. You have spoken with compassion for Hunter Biden because his father. I think you've said. I mean. Look, Hunter had these problems. His father didn't really care. He exploited them, sent them all over the world. I mean, the last thing you should be doing if you're using like this is flying all over the world, meeting with strange people and right. being on your own for like days, weeks at a time. You know, I've got like 4,000 hour course on organized crime, listening to them, right? And sometimes listening to their family discussions. Half the organized crime people didn't want their kids involved in organized crime. So they went ahead and did business with other people and kept their kids out. The other half wanted them involved because they were pathological. Well, he's part of the pathological group. What the hell does he have his son involved in corrupt politics for? And he takes the delicate one? you got to know if you have a brain, and maybe he doesn't. You take an addict who is delicate and addiction-prone, and you have him dealing with the worst criminals in the world. You make him a partner. They don't even bring this out. Whitey Bulger's nephew, James yeah. Bulger, was his partner. You know, watch out when they say, oh, well, Jared Kushner did the same thing. That really bothers me. Jared Kushner was buying and selling billion-dollar skyscrapers before he even met Donald Trump. You know, they try well, to equate you know, the two. First of all, he wasn't. And what, what's the difference? So uh, I get away with murder because other people murdered? Mm. I mean, this guy got away, should get away with serial killing because other people did serial killings? And that's the most ridiculous uh, 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 just totally vapid defense. I always thought it was ridiculous. I mean, yeah, other people take bribes. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I should take bribes. Well, let's concentrate on you, and then we'll go look at Jared. So it's 3 o'clock. Let's see here. Just scanning. No indictment. Getting late. Getting late. So it's probably not going to happen today? Well, you know, if you, think about, if you think about reporters and you want to get good press, you don't give him a big indictment at four in the afternoon. Right, right. You want to make the evening news? You do a ten. And how will the indictment come down? They'll put it up on the website? What, are, what, are, yeah. what happens? You really should file it in court and then put it out. You file it with the judge and then you put it out. You're in good hands, everybody. Usually they leak it, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, thank you very much. I'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Great Bye. show tonight, I'm sure. Thank you, sir. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.